You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. While we wait for Jeffrey, I just wanted to let you know you can find Public Access America on SoundCloud and Apple Podcasts and the Stitcher Smart Radio app, Spotify, Google Play. Thank you to Overcast and Pocket Addict for joining our feed. Love, thank you for having us on and featuring us. Thank you to all of our new audience. I really appreciate that. I have, I wanted to jump on early because... Uh, I've been hearing a lot from creators wondering why their why their stuff is being suppressed and and they end up making these videos about how they're not getting any likes and and I just wanted to touch on a few things as a creator myself that you can do to kind of improve things organically. You can buy follows, you can ask for follows for follows, but in the end that stuff just doesn't work. You're not going to get the likes and the attention you need and the organic growth, you know. Now I've been doing this podcast for about five years, and honestly, when I first started, I was getting five, ten listens a day, you know, and and I loved what my product was, but, but you know, other people just didn't know it was there. Now, I could have bought SoundCloud followers, and I didn't want to because I didn't know what my my natural stats would be, and I wanted to know where I was growing, how I was growing, which episodes people loved. So I kind of took that analytic point of view. I looked at where, what was trending and what wasn't trending, and I kind of followed that. But I'm a history podcast, and I'm in an America history, and America as it relates to the world. And so I had a very broad spectrum of what I could cover. And so that was nice. But I'll tell you, the most important thing is, is a, any content creator is consistency. If you notice, every Sunday, we do a show. You know what I mean? And it might not get listens, but people will know that it's there every Sunday at noon. Jeffrey and I will be talking. It's really nice. And so the consistency of the podcast, and I put the podcast out Sunday night, every night. And so Monday morning, new episode pops up. No matter what else is in Public Access America's feed, we might bring you a moment like um, the phone call between Brad Ratzenberger and Donald Trump. We might bring you Joe Biden's um, inaugural speech. We might bring you Kamala Harris's speech and stuff like that. Maybe, maybe history that you need to know that is being played on both sides. And so that's what we try and do as well as we try and nurture other podcasts. A new podcast we have now in our feed is 
uh, Inspirations by Beyond Disabilities. Well, it's the LVABP Forum, and that is hosted by Public Access America. We got a bunch of blind people together to talk about stuff, and that was cool. And But no matter what, our consistency is the key, right? Once a week, Inspirations Beyond Disabilities, hopefully we'll post an episode. But consistency is key because people are bored. They want to know that they can count on you for mindless chatter sometimes, you know, and you just can't spin it anyway. The other thing is don't follow trends when it comes to you. You need to stay true to what you were originally are and you need to stick to that. You can expand on that topic through your perspective, but you really just got to, uh, you got, you have to be you. You can't jump in and start following um, a trend that isn't natural to you because consistency over time creates success. When preparation meets opportunity, that's success. And so you just consistently be you and let the trends come to you. And that's important because people will know what you are and who you are. They don't want to randomly jump into an episode of about cake with me because I'm not a cake maker, right? So we'll we'll get into more and we are going to jump on with Jeffrey because he is here. He is here. He is here. Hey, what's up? What starts here changes the world. Well, I've got to admit, I kind of like it. What starts here changes the world. Because the world. that is because how it works. Is how the it average works. American will meet 10,000 people in their lifetime. The problem can only be solved when there is a kind of coalition of conscience. conscience. But if every one of you changed the lives of just 10 people, just 10 people. What, your rights what are, your rights are, and each one of those people changed the lives of another 10 people and another 10. This is the beginning, it is not the finale, and that's why we're here, and that's why we rally. And you can change the entire population of the world, 8 billion people. If you think it's hard to change the lives of 10 people, change their lives forever. forever. We've got to be that something that Arnold Tornby, the historian, refers to as the creative minority. minority. You're wrong. Then others will show then others up. Will also, show what up. about no children dying? That's kind of nice. That's kind of nice. Liberation. It's an internal. It's an internal. Of speaking the of truth. Speaking the truth. But their children were saved, and their children's children. children. Generations were saved by one decision, one person. But changing the world can happen anywhere, and anyone can do it. Anyone can do it. Adam, guess what? Yes. We're recording. Ryan. Ryan, guess what? (laughs) What? We are in effect. We're in (laughs) effect. So what starts here can indeed change the world. But the question is, what will the world look like after you change it? After you change it? After you change it? Welcome. To public, to public access, access. nothing. I was just talking to the audience about uh, how to create better content. Mm, Where are you? Where am I? Where are you? I don't see you. Oh, why did it not start my video? I don't know. There he is. All right. Oh. It's being weird today. I had to change headphones because I don't know something with the audio. Well, I mean. Yeah, my guess is probably a bunch of back-end updates and everything's gone a little wonky. <laughs> that back happens. End, back-end updates. That explains my date last night. 
Hey. <laughs> so how are you today? You know, I'm doing all right. Uh, okay. Last time we talked, we had like a foot and a half of snow on the ground, and today it's not that. Right. Um, that snow is almost gone. You know, everything that I shoveled into a pile is the, really about all that's left, and that's fading fast. Hmm. But we're back to good old rainy Washington, so, you know. All right. Congratulations. That's why <laughs> I decided I couldn't move to Washington State because I walk a lot, and hey. like rain rain is my nemesis like i'm gonna pack and get ready and i'm gonna go to the store and then i ask google hey is it gonna rain today and she's like yeah there's a chance and i'm like oh great you know I'm like what does that mean in florida that means it could rain for 10 seconds in like a 50 yard area you know and you could just right. walk through it and be dry when you get where you go right you know whereas out here they're like yeah um so there's gonna be like a month straight of rain um yeah. if if you miss sunlight please you know hang in there Right. So. <laughs> it's up there somewhere, right? Oh man, there uh January 2020 was the darkest uh January in Washington state, like on the eastern side or on the western oh. side. And UW's solar collector had registered the least amount of solar energy it had ever collected since it started operation. And when I say it was dark, I mean it was like, dear God, please let me see the sun today dark. Right. Man, you miss it after a while. That's uh, Isn't that seasonal deficit disorder? Seasonal yeah. affective disorder. Right. I yep. got a sun lamp just for that. You know what I mean? So, But today... I'm excited because we're going to do a real broad topic, you know what I mean? And oh. I wanted to address I wanted to address mistakes. Mm. And, and I want people to think what we're going to talk about is something interesting, but I want people to think about it in their everyday lives. People make mistakes, right? That's the mm -hmm. same. People make mistakes. And, you know, what could they have done? And I want you to realize that, like, I always say one point is a mistake for mistakes is a trend and how long are you going to accept that trend and so mm -hmm. what i wanted and what we can talk about because we're this way is uh ted cruz right hey. <laughs> and i don't want to stick on i mean i don't you've heard all the texas news right and oh yeah everybody knows what happened there but there is a couple aspects of that that we're going to touch on that like the media isn't, right? And one of those is Ted Cruz. And the thing is, and I want to get your opinion on this, is that half of the country is saying, resign, you're horrible. And the other half of the country is saying, what could he do? It was just a mistake. And what would he, what could he have possibly done anyway? And so I wanted to get your perspective on that without me influencing any sort of answers. Mm -hmm. It's like doing a magic trick where people can see, you know what I mean? Right. So... <clears throat> I think I think you have to divide this into two parts. There is the I'm getting the hell out of Texas with my family part because it's cold. Mm -hmm. And then there is the legislative side. What could he have done? Mistake number one was, you know, I don't think it's necessarily a mistake for him to find a warmer destination for his family. But when it comes to COVID and all of that, the fact that he picked Mexico, I mean, you probably would have been fine if you'd picked Arizona, honestly. Agreed. But, but, but going to Mexico in the middle of a pandemic is a level of stupidity that, well, only the bounds only Ted Cruz knows. Right. 
I think I think had had uh, he had flown his family to Phoenix, for example, or to Florida. Okay. Yeah, the media would have bitched about it, but it you know it wouldn't be the same as they went to a resort in Cancun. Ah, right. and it's like okay. The shut truth up. is, is if he if he didn't have any power, and he needed to get work done for his state, he needed to go where somewhere where power was. Mm-hmm. So. I, but you're right. Mexico, another country supporting another country during one of our worst disasters. I don't like that. And I, I mean, and let's not forget the douchey move in the room, which was, you know, fucking off without the dog. <laughs> right. So that was that was kind of shitty. And by kind of shitty, I mean, really shitty. Okay. But from the governmental side, you know, this is where people underestimate how interconnected government systems really are. Mm-hmm. Sure. This was an issue for the governor, Greg Abbott, and the state senators to deal with and use Ted Cruz to lobby for uh, a federal uh, emergency declaration. And John Cornyn. I don't want to. And John Cornyn. Yep. And, and, uh, you know, and all the other Texas reps. Sure, you know, at I mean, a federal the, level, the Senate that's, helps. but that's about it. That's about all you could do. And that's literally just a, Hey, we got a problem. Can we, uh, you know, get a declaration? Well, yeah, but it goes beyond that. What did he do when Michael came? He fought for billions in aid and bailout and assistance. Right. And so he was all over that. He was Texas's best friend there. And so that's the problem. Why didn't mm-hmm. he fly to Washington? You know, it would have been a better look if he had done a Newt Gingrich, stood in an empty Senate building and said, I demand money for my state. I demand action. And if he had done that for four hours, you know. Right. I mean? You know, it would have been, we would have, it would be an entirely different conversation. Right. But once again, you know, so much of, so much of how unconnected these these things are you know really the answer is is that in order to you know in order to really look for an emergency declaration you really need to have your governor ask for a state of emergency or declare a state of emergency yes and then from there you know then the fed side can kick in and really you know until the state decides hey we want to have federal help you know there really wasn't a whole lot ted cruz could have done he could have talked to the governor and gotten a list of what they would have needed once the the assistance came in and given that to Joe Biden and said, this is what we need. You know, he could have given a speech saying, I demand this before Joe Biden stepped in and did it. The you know? speech. Yeah. The, the list that's usually that's usually between emergency planning coordinators. There's sure. that that stuff. That stuff gets well handled behind the scenes. And that's not let's let's be realistic. Do you really want to give Ted Cruz a shopping list of things you want done? Or do you want the people who are on the ground at the emergency zones creating I, the shopping list? I want everybody that has a voice and an ear fighting for what I need. And if I have to tell a hundred people and four of them are ineffective, I'll take that every time. You know what I mean? Exactly. And and that's just it is, is that, you know, I think in the humanitarian side, Ted Cruz needed to stick around and show that, you know, mm-hmm. he was going to fight for the state of Texas, whether that right. meant that he was, you know, out meeting with the people and trying to figure out, you know, what could they have done differently? Mm-hmm. It's, you know, the fact of the matter is, is that there were some mistakes some much bigger and worse than others and And that's my point should we accept those mistakes as just mistakes or should we see those as points on a timeline that create a trend of who he is points on a timeline is what i would say because that was you know 
if you think about like Ted Cruz 2012, you look at the guy and you're like, what the hell? Right. You know, but you know, he, he, you know, he fought for his state in a lot of different ways mm -hmm. and 2016, no different. He really does fight for his state, but then he runs away this time. Like, right. And with a bad mullet too. Let's just, let's. <laughs> yeah. Check dude. out Adam has a beard where Adam discusses Ted Cruz's mullet more in detail. <laughs> but I, I, I think it just comes down to the fact that he feels more entitled. And that's the Absolutely. only way it is that that party has created a bit of entitlement. You know, I, I, they're not going for the optics anymore. And I don't know why nobody in Texas was going for the optics of like, just standing in the snow shoveling, you know, like neighbors' houses. <laughs> you know, and that's – and here's and here's the crazy part is is that, you know, Ted Cruz flew to Cancun. Yeah. AOC flew to Texas. That, okay, so you bring me to my next point. That you know. uh, took care of – over th almost 300,000 wellness checks on, on Texas citizens, and he had power in El Paso. Mm -hmm. AOC, she uh, she raised $4 million for Texans, right? Mm -hmm. And Joe Biden, he issued a state of emergency within hours of the disaster. All mm -hmm. three of them are Democrats. Mm-hmm. So this and and this is where you know Republicans really fell short. Like, yeah, you know, it, it, Ted Cruz. We'll we'll just go with Ted Cruz. I mean, the fact of the matter is, is is that you know, for as much crap as he gives AOC, AOC flew to his state mm -hmm. at its at its most vulnerable, right? To help people and and that. Whether or not you agree with the politics of AOC, that's an entirely different discussion. I don't even think she's politics. I don't think she talks from a political lens, but okay. I, she does, but it's a difference between putting your action where your mouth is. Yeah. And she puts her action where her mouth is, straight mm -hmm. up. Yeah. So, you know, she talks about fighting for the most vulnerable and – here you were in a situation where you now have a lot of vulnerable people mm, yeah. and rather than run away from a potential issue or, you know, just, I would say even laugh it off as well, Texas, you did this to yourself. La, 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 la. Right. She immediately jumped into action and started trying to address the needs of Texans, right. even though they're not her constituents. Yeah. So, <clears throat> right, but they're, they're Americans. But they're Americans, and that's the difference. Hell this yeah, is that, is. you know, you don't have to have the same party affiliation to look at your fellow American and say, you are in need of help. How right. can I help you? Exactly, because in every situation, there's a decision. Do I or don't I? And you only get that minute to make that decision, right? So. Right. She said she, everybody saw it. And that's what I'm saying. These three Democrats said, yep. And took it, took it on. And I didn't see Republicans doing that. And so it came, it came to my mind that you can be the party of grievance until the people voting for you have a superseding grievance. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, 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 I think, 
that's and an here's, issue. And here's, was, I Don, say, was Donald Trump? Just, I didn't even think of that till just now. But why wasn't Donald Trump in Texas? You know. Well, we know why. <laughs> but and and here's the other thing is I we can't you know we can't really speak to all of what all the Republican legislature in mm-hmm. in the U.S. and or even just in Texas alone. Yeah, I don't because. Know that. Because there's there is so many moving parts to this that, mm-hmm. I mean, let's let's be real honest. When it comes to the media, we they sell uh, eyeballs by outrage. So right, exactly. So you know, uh, to say that there is no bias in the media is just completely asinine. Mm-hmm. And I would argue that there may be uh, instances of Republicans doing exactly what Beto and AOC did. Gotcha. But but we just don't hear about it and and even if even if those do exist you're not going to hear about it on abc nbc cbs and if you hear it on right. fox news you're going to be like yeah whatever right and but, also if somebody does something stupid in the course of doing the right thing mm-hmm. that's what that's what's highlighted the stupidity not the over, right you know you know and that's and i think that's that's one of the greatest issues is is that we we're we've uh, I, I wouldn't say we're okay with we've become desensitized to the idea that we're just going to see attack campaigns and we're only going to see the good stuff when it fits the narrative right. rather than let's just see the good stuff yes we need to talk about the terrible thing that has happened but mm-hmm. let's talk about what's happening to make the terrible thing better right and and the reality is is, is that you know good feelings don't sell eyeball and advertising time and that is that's a really that's a huge problem it it is and that's that's been the the message of my my week is that the media is telling you one side of the story but we are talking to people like i'm paying attention to people more than politicians and what they're going through like people are in the northwest are like criticizing texans for complaining about snow and for all of you i'd like to say go out into your metal shed and spend eight days out there with no water and no electricity you know what i mean it's like their houses weren't built for this it's the three little pig theory you know what i mean and yes Uh, and that's the thing is like the houses you know i can fully accept that they were they were not prepared to be winterized and 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 i would also say that when you lose heat it don't matter when your house was built if you got water in the pipes it don't matter yeah. your and and your house hits freezing temperatures your pipes are going to burst it that's yes, you that's the end of the story you turn your water on and let it drip that's what we always did you know what i mean you know and and that's just that's just it is is that you know it's hard to tell a group of people hey this is what you need to do to keep your pipes from freezing right you know yeah, what but, you need to be prepared for and and that's the difference though is is that you know where i grew up in montana you know the, Somebody pointed this out when I said, you know, when I talked about the failure of Texas's grid, mm-hmm. somebody was like, oh, well, you don't, you know, up in Montana, you don't prepare for hurricanes. And I'm like, I laugh in Judith Basin and Livingston Pass because, right. you know, Montana has had winds of like 120 miles an hour. We've of had course. sustained wind. We've had sustained hurricane winds. I mean, in where I grew up in eastern Montana, we had this M, you know, it was MDU and it was a cold fired plant mm. and the smokestack that came out rarely ever went straight up. It was always blowing. The wind was always blowing. 
and oh well you guys aren't used to 100 degree temperatures man there were times in there were times in eastern montana growing up where it didn't drop below 100 degrees for like a couple of weeks straight right. same you in know, chicago by the way you know or you know the fact of the matter is is that i've seen temperatures at 50 below zero i've mm-hmm. seen wind chills at 70 below zero me too i yeah. have had to literally start fires under a tractor in order to warm it up right you know that's just where you know that's what you have to understand is is that i understand like the extremes of it you know i've had Uh to prepare one way or another there is nothing comfortable about it being 120 degrees outside and you know 100 degrees in your house and a box fan Right. And you got a box fan and an air on one air conditioner that is not keeping up because your house is old as balls. It's not insulated. Where the fuck? Right. And you know, it's just, it is what it is. And but you yeah, grow you up lo- with that. You lose water. You're screwed. You lose electricity. You can't even boil the water. And, but the story that broke my heart was my friend, Callie Ma on TikTok and Instagram. She just had this video and she's like, we can't we can't water our food our we can't water our or feed our animals and we can't mm-hmm. take them with us there's no gas we can't get out and there's no there's no water we can't stay and it just it really and then she got picked on for for that stuff and it it just made me sad cuz this is a human issue like i don't mm-hmm. care if you're a republican if i see you getting your ass kicked in an unfair way i think we should step in and go no 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 that's my that's still my brother i don't necessarily agree with him all the time but that's still an american like if right. if they're suffering like las vegas has a poor drainage system so if it rains because of the desert it floods like you know what i mean <laughs> so oh yeah no i've, I've, and they I've have seen waterways it all over the place but we can always we can only do what we've been told we should do and that i texas didn't do that but maybe now they will maybe people will realize that their it's their decisions that are doing this and that brings me up to the last misconception and this is my favorite and it is that well the wind turbines froze and this caused everything and the reports are actually that wind turbines, especially on the coast, created more than their share of electricity over the year. And actually, we're running during this, and it's the little bit of electricity that people had because everything else kind of froze. So well, this is a huge topic, and Isn't I, I cool? knew we were we were going to cover this one. Have so to. let's start. So let's start with a few things for people to understand. Most of Texas is on its own grid because in 1995, they voted to not be a part of the U.S. grid because they wanted to avoid federal regulation. They thought sure. that it would create more competition and create cheaper energy prices. Good for them. Yeah. I mean, I love a good stick it to the Fed story. But the Heck problem yeah. is, is that the problem is, is, is that. If you're going to do that, then you actually have to follow through on all the things and you have to enforce all of the things. Yeah. The issue behind Texas needing to winterize their grid is not something that just suddenly came up. In fact, it came up in 2011 when El Paso just got absolutely sacked by a uh, storm. Mm. And that's when they and that's when it was first brought up that, hey, you know, your guys' grid needs to be winterized. And the power companies were told that, but they elected to save a few bucks and not do that. Right. So when this all breaks down and goes to hell, well, 
you can't blame the feds for that one. So let's start with that. Number one, the feds cannot be blamed for Texas's power grid failure. Number they two, can, my but but they my, can be blamed for the sustained energy in El Paso this last time because yes. now they're connected to the Western grid. Yes, El Paso has remained connected to the Western grid. Now, number two, this is my favorite one. Yay. Is everybody blaming the Green New Deal? Oh, my <laughs> God. Okay. In the history of blaming things that don't exist, this is a new level of mm -hmm. blaming things that don't exist. Because what people have failed to realize on the right is, number one, the Green New Deal is not a thing technically. Not it's a not thing. a voted on piece of legislation. It's literally just an idea. An idea. And – until something gets finalized, all it is is an idea. Mm -hmm. Number two, let's say that, you know, the feds decide that the Green New Deal needs to be enforced on America's electrical grid, everything that's federally regulated. Guess what isn't federally regulated? Texas's grid. Mm -hmm. So guess what wouldn't fall under the Green New Deal? Texas's electrical grid. Nice. So, Good point. So – even if it were a thing, because Texas is not connected to the federal grids, it wouldn't have any sort of effect on them. Right. It would not have any bearing. It would not have any enforcement because Texas is its own electrical grid. Right. And that is the meaning of the Constitution, by the way. Right. Exactly. Is that the state has the power to decide what the federal government gets into in their state? Mm -hmm. Not states' and, rights. States' rights were a way to, you know, pick on black people with heavier laws. But the meaning of rights, the state having rights, is the Constitution. Exactly. So you know what? I would say that had had Texas had actually been enforcing some of the things that needed to be done, like updating the grid and winterizing it, <laughs> fantastic. You know, this. You know, I love a good stick it to the feds story. But unfortunately, you failed miserably on this one, and you don't get to blame the feds. You don't get to blame AOC and the Green New Deal, mm -mm. which leads to the final point in this, which is the lack of winterization, which we started to touch on. <clears throat> right. Oh, well, the wind turbines failed because it was cold. Hi, I'm from Montana, where it's 50 below zero on a regular winter basis, and our wind turbines still work. I'm Scandinavian, and, and all the Scandinavian turbines work just fine. You know, and so I, I'm sorry, but, you know, this was – there was a choice between winterizing your equipment or mm -hmm. playing a game of risk. Right. And you decided to play a game of risk. In Montana, because we have some really strong windy areas, they're meant to you know, they're meant to stand up against strong sustained winds. They're meant to last against extreme heats because we get hundred degree temperatures in Montana pretty much every summer. Mm -hmm. And extreme cold, which you know, last week back home it hit about forty below. So, and our wind turbines were still working. So, mm. I'm sorry, Texas you know, Texas regulation and people who want to believe that this is, you know, the green new deal boogeyman that you, you know, cry yourself to sleep at night, cleaning your guns over. Right. That's not it. Okay. You know, Montana has done this on its own because we understand where we live Yeah. and we understand that, you know, you're going to, we're going to have hot temperatures. So you got to be prepared for that. We're going to have extreme cold temperatures. So you got to be prepared for that. You can't just go with, well, it's usually that's called yeah. poor planning. Right. If you look at if you look at the way that any system is built, 
there is usually a very strong set of contingencies that you're supposed to plan for. Natural disasters is one of them, you know, which is why you see some buildings that are meant to sustain damage from, you know, winds from an EF1, EF2, yeah. EF, you know, EF3 starts to get a little pretty dicey. And, yeah, I'm and Hurricane Alley here, so I get that. Right. And, you know, and up here, you know, we have buildings that are supposed to, you know, be built to withstand, you know, earthquake and, and yeah. aftershock. Four and snow on your roof. Jesus, <laughs> seriously. So what it boils down to is, is that, you know, there was, what was it? The five P's that I always grew up. Piss poor, you know, piss poor planning prevents poor. It's six. Piss poor planning prevents poor performance. That's so, funny. or yeah. Pro or no, it's proper planning prevents piss poor performance. That's it. There we go. Got Love it right it. this time. So if you plan for what if it freezes, if you plan for what if it's 110 degrees for yeah. a month straight, right. if you plan for all of these things, great. You don't have an issue like you do. And the reality was, is that, yes, the wind turbines in those areas went down. Mm -hmm. But conveniently enough, part of the story being left out by some people is, is that the natural gas plants also saw their production drop extremely during that point. Mm -hmm. Because they're not winterized either. Right. Guess the what? Gas, the gas froze. Guess what? Montana here, we have natural gas plants. Mm -hmm. 50 below zero. I don't want to hear it. Yeah. If we can plan for it, it's I'm sorry, man. You know. That's 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 not a federal thing. That's literally a know your potentials. And and that's where, you know, another thing people want to bitch and moan about is wind. Well, it's producing zero. OK, so let's talk about this one, because this is I, I equate this to a lot of the vaccines stuff, too, okay. where, you know, oh, it's 100 percent effective or it's, you know, zero percent safe or things like that with wind energy. If you've done proper planning, you have to understand that your range is, your your theoretical range is, whatever your max output of your wind turbines are, so let's say 55 megawatts in this case, to there's no wind and the damn thing ain't turning, zero. So, well, if we're planning for zero, why are we even discussing using wind power then, Jeffrey? Ah, so let's talk about conservation of, of fuel systems. Now, this is where it can be a lot of fun. When you use systems like wind and solar, it allows you to cut back on the amount of coal, fossil fuels that you're using. So that way, you know, you have a safe, cheaper stockpile, right? Because if you're able to stockpile more fuels, then when you know, the wind is producing zero, you have a stable, cheap source of electrical power generation. Stored. It's stored. Right. Exactly. So let's talk about why would you plan for zero when it comes to wind? What about what about coal? What about gas? What about nuclear? Worst, worst case scenario, best case scenario. Don't you have to plan for both? So why would you plan for zero? especially if we have, you know, coal or gas or, or nuclear. Well, there's a number of reasons why you might have zero output 
at um, like one of those electrical generating stations. You might have to take it offline for repairs. Mm. That happens. I mean, those things do need to be repaired every so often. That's a reality. But the difference is, is, is that if you're doing proper maintenance, the potential of you having an unplanned outage, that it goes down without you planning for it, that risk decreases significantly. Of course. But what about wind or solar, for example? Well, we can't, you know, we can have planned outages where we take down turbines. But we're also at Mother Nature's mercy on this one. So there is this thing that we can't, this factor that we can't control that is much greater in that there is a chance that the wind doesn't blow and you don't produce any electrical energy out of those things. You're still playing the odds with placement, you know, but yeah. I exactly. I mean, they do they do massive studies, so that way mm-hmm. they're at least generating, but you still have to effectively plan for zero because right. – that does happen. Whereas if you have a, you know, a coal or a gas or a nuclear powered station, planning for zero is a lot different because that means that you've either one suffered a catastrophic failure right. that is unplanned or two, you have a planned scenario where you need to take something down. The difference being that there is far more control on the human side of this. Mm-hmm. So you do have less of less of an issue in in having zero output from those sources. It's not it's not it's not impossible that you have a, you know a, a zero production rating, but you at least have that possibility of what if we experience a catastrophic failure? Right. Unlike with wind, where you literally have the you know yeah we've done a bunch of studies and the wind should be blowing here most of the time. But it's not 100% of the time, right. which is why you have energy diversification, something I've talked about frequently. Great. The wind's not blowing. Is the sun shining? Great. Well, what if sun doesn't, you know, what if sun has 0% output? Well, that's the case when it's dark outside, unless you have a different type of solar collector system, like um, the, the salt towers, where they literally superheat salt, store it underground, and then use that to circulate through the night to keep generating steam. Right. Because you're able to superheat and store that energy. And there's geothermal, which is really cool. Digging a hole to the mantle of the earth. And just get geothermal is, is crazy. But even still, you know, what what things like wind and solar and hydro do mm. is it allows you the ability to conserve what on-demand fuels you're going to use. Right. So that way you can maintain cheaper energy prices. Right. Personally, you know, at some point we are going to shift away from coal and of natural course. gas. Of course. But we still have to have an on-demand energy system. And mm. I really wish that people would look into what nuclear energy could be. They're talking about it. They're talking it, about it in Texas, creating more mini many nuclear sites and that's to me that's fantastic and especially like you know when you have the group of and and this is where now i'm gonna pick on the left here because you know i've been picking on the right for a while here you have a group of people that say trust the science and trust the process and trust women right Mm -hmm. well there's a woman that has created a thorium breeder reactor it is arguably one of the safest systems that has ever been designed and thorium is one of the most available nuclear sources out there. Nice. I mean, you can literally dig it up in sand. 
It's literally, this. you can just dig it up in sand. And the way that it depletes down is a lot safer than, you know, your old uranium and, and plutonium reactors and, and whatever other nuclear fission materials that you have. Sure. When people think about nuclear energy, they're thinking about these old GE systems like Fukushima from the 1950s, where mm -hmm. let's, let's be real honest here. Our understanding of nuclear capabilities back in the 50s is nothing like what it is now. The systems right. that were designed then are not like what they could be designed like now, where there are far more safety precautions. Mm -hmm. Or they think about, you know, like the old Russian reactors like Chernobyl that had, yeah. you know, massive meltdowns. And really, that was more an issue of user error than a you know, yeah. user error and piss poor planning. I'm thinking more like Three Mile Island, you know what I mean? Three Mile Island, you know, these are systems that are you know, those were systems that were 25 years old when, you know, when that happened, let yeah. alone, let alone something that's a brand new system. So when this, when this thorium breeder reactor system, you know, was, was designed by this woman, I mean, it's, it's a brilliant system. And the fact of the matter is, is that we know far more now about what to do with nuclear than mm -hmm. what we did. Because you still have to have an on-demand energy system until yeah. until we are able to better harness one of two things. Number one, sun. Because let's face it, that's a fusion reactor in the sky that you can generate a lot of power from. And and as we be as we get more efficient at collecting that energy and mm -hmm. storing that energy, that's the other part of this equation we need to talk about. Yeah. And, and transferring once, it, right. I mean, the transfer systems are already there. It's the biggest issue is, is that we just don't have the storage capacity for it yet. That's and so true. you need, you need like collecting energy is not the issue. It's the storage capacity, but also too, the better you are at collecting it, the better off you will be at storing it for overnight use for mm -hmm. long-term planned outages, unplanned outages, you know, the more you can microgrid the system. So that way, if, you know, there's a failure in Texas. Maybe it's, you know, focused on the Fort Worth area, not all right. of Texas. That's what I'm thinking. Having <clears throat> these little mini nuclear plants, so, like water treatment plants throughout the state, you know, is, is a better idea than one three-mile island. <laughs> right. Like, so like, so we'll talk about that in a second. Hmm. So, so when with an on-demand fuel system, you know, nuclear is something that's there. It's available. It's known. But what gives me hope is the Takamak reactors that they've been testing in South Korea. They are hydrogen fusion reactors, basic I love, mini suns. I love mini hydrogen. Suns. I love the use of <clears throat> hydrogen because that is everywhere. Exactly. Everywhere. And so, like, when you talk about the cleanest of clean energy, like, this is what we've been chasing yeah. in science fiction and science reality for a long right. time. Tony Stark's tower is, is yes, Exactly. And, and the reality is, is, is that we understand the theoretical behind it now. Now, how do we make it more possible? And that is exciting in and of itself. Because once, once we figure out hydrogen fusion reactors, mm -hmm. there is literally going to be no need for most of that other stuff right i've seen cars running on hydrogen so i, I really well yeah, so so hydrogen fusion and hydrogen fuel cell are, are very different sure so so hydrogen fusion you know obviously think of the sun that's a hydrogen fusion reactor yeah, yeah, yeah. hydrogen fuel cell or hydrogen combustion engines which run like an actual 
gas engine. It's just mm-hmm. that instead of gasoline, you're using hydrogen. Yep. Um, I mean, as as those systems get more developed and are safer, absolutely, I think it'll be fantastic because yeah. you can use hydrogen systems to you know generate electrical power for your car. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that, by it, the way, that hydrogen is the H in H two O. Right. And that's the beauty of it. Igniting hydrogen only has two byproducts, water and water vapor. Oxygen, yeah. You know, well, because when you burn hydrogen, it bonds with oxygen. So so H2O. So, I mean, these systems are developing and they are going to be much better. It's just that the jump from getting from from there from here is a huge mm-hmm. jump i is mean it, it is it really is when you think about when you think about the cost of having to do that let's just talk about the average person's cost of having to uh, of going from you know whatever your your gas powered car is to let's say even just an electrical vehicle mm-hmm. you know cuz right now if you know let's say that you want something of comparable range that means you're looking at a tesla and you're, that means that you're now in a $70,000 price range. Yep. Guess what? I, I can't afford a $70,000 car. Mm. Like when I got my car, it was, you know, 16,000 and I bought it used. Yeah. So the idea that your average person is going to be able to jump into a Tesla and afford that is absolutely crazy. Course. So you have to you have to have more of a technology to make it cheaper to make it more accessible to your average everyday person. Yeah, which is why a lot of people, you know, a lot of companies they design towards the rich people, the high end, because they get a bunch of money from them and they're able mm-hmm. to spend more on R and D, and then they create the the midline model that's more accessible right. to more people, and then you'll get the low line model, and that's you know where you're starting to see like your Chevys come in, like your yep. your Volt and your Bolt, right. and I think that's fantastic because. You know, when you think about the average driving length that most people are going to have, you know, one to 200 miles a day is, you know, about really the max with with the exception of going on a road trip. And then the question is, you know, do you need to drive or are you flying? Right. So, you know, and and even with even with semis and things like that, you know, in town, great. You could move those to electric. It's it's there. It's possible. Of course, yeah. But being where things sit currently, trying to get that technology to everybody else is unfortunately a slow process because mm. it's an expensive process. Because, yeah. well, one of the biggest issues that we're up against is power storage. Lithium batteries are not cheap. And until they figure out a better battery storage system, which I think they're looking at, it's like a zinc air system. It's really, well, there's, well, hydrogen, hydrogen is still out there a little bit yet because the problem with a hydrogen storage system is you puncture it, it goes boom. Mm, Okay. And it goes boom bigger than gasoline does. So there's some safety issues at hand it's still, there. It's still beautiful and awesome, and everybody should invest in it. Absolutely, because because hydrogen is one of those <laughs> systems that is it's going to become the prevalent norm eventually. Right. You know, you also have the issue of, you know, how do you capture as much hydrogen as you can? Currently, the best way to do it is through electrolysis. 
Hmm. So basically you're getting distilled water, you're putting a couple of electrodes in it, you're zapping it and it's separating into hydrogen and oxygen. Nice. So that means that you have to have power generation in order to get hydrogen out. But so you use the hydrogen for something, you know, for your fuel systems. We also use oxygen for fuel systems too. That's also a thing that we do. Yeah, we just, the basic thing is to push energy past a turbine. <laughs> right. Know? So that what if, if it's a dam, if it's a coal plant, if it's natural gas, it's pushing energy past a turbine and the turbine then generates electricity from the copper inside of it, the magnets and copper, right? Right. And then you need to store that somewhere instead of just constantly feeding it into a wire network where it disperses gradually right and and that's and and the storage part is the bigger is the bigger mm -hmm. issue right now because lithium is a is a fairly limited resource yeah, it's it also not very cheap mining it is also extremely harmful yep. i mean realistically which is where you know you know, finding out better battery systems is going to be key and important. Mm -hmm. There are organic battery systems that are being investigated. There are different metal, heavy yeah. metal battery systems that are being investigated. Really, you know, the biggest frontier for science right now is power storage. And you know, before we get too far from that, I want to say that with the lithium and the other metals that we need to create this technology, it isn't all in our country. A lot of it isn't in the Middle East and in China and in Russia because they have massive land, you know, they have giant land masses and so they have these minerals and they're mining them and so we pay for them sometimes the war isn't about war sometimes it's about mining rights and so moving into these technologies where we don't need lithium and we could go with hydrogen is a independence from foreign countries it's and 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 that really is i think my biggest key is energy diversification and why is it important because the reality is, is is that if we are able to generate all the electricity that we need internally, be it through hydrogen fusion reactors, be it through mm -hmm. hydrogen combustion, be it through sun, be it through uh, wind, be it through hydro, be it through yeah. geothermal, you know, be it through, I, for now, nuclear, you know, and thorium reactors, I sure. strongly, I, I really encourage people to look into that one. Yes, yeah, I love it the more we get on the clean energy spectrum, the more diversified we get on the clean energy spectrum, the less likely we are going to need to be involved in other countries for their minerals. Right. Less likely. Not, I wish it were zero. I don't have that much hope. Less likely. Less likely. We'll go with less likely. I mean, Saudi but, Arabia just raised the, the price of oil because they see COVID going down. So right. they raised the price of oil and guess what? You're paying more for gas because a foreign country said, oh, you're feeling better. And they're they're not even waiting. You know what I mean? So Exactly. And that's the other thing, too, is, is that you think about it. The United States is, you know, fought, fought over the concept of monopolies and cartels. And yet mm -hmm. we allow this cartel to literally control our lives in terms right. of cost inputs. So imagine a world where. You know, they can jack with the price of oil all they want and it doesn't affect us. Right. It means that no longer we're beholden to another group or another country's, you know, ability to hold and control the flow mm -hmm. of oil. And that's lifting this this up above politics and, and just making it an American thing, you know? Exactly. So, you know, imagine made in America looking like new hydrogen fusion reactors. Right? God, 
that would be wild. Could yes. you imagine that? Uh, or like I've said a thousand times, you know, there is no reason that Detroit could couldn't go from being the motor city to the electric motor city. Right. There's no reason. But what also what that's what's amazing about that is Ooh, I didn't even think about this subject, Jeffrey, is that <laughs> hydrogen is something, all of these technologies that we're building here, once we could build in space, could really get us to some destinations like Mars, maybe. Absolutely. The, the near future, and I say that, you know, within the next 200 years, the yeah. near future is going to be deep space mining because you've got a solid supply of iron, cobalt, nickel in the asteroid belt. Yeah, but we could get there. Like regular people could get a, a union job getting on a spaceship and going and mining somewhere. And I think that's smelting, just cool. Smelting, you know, smelting ore to send back down to Earth to build newer spaceships. It's to build fiction. new to build new hydrogen fusion reactors. And right? that's the thing is with hydrogen fusion reactors, you know, that literally now gives you an energy source that can put you, you know, in so many different places around the world, you know, yeah. you don't have the same dangers with hydrogen fusion as you do with nuclear fission. I mean, right. you, there are dangers. And, and that's one of the things that people need to understand is, is that there's always a danger, mm -hmm. but once again, calculated risk, as calculated not, risk is, is that we're smoking out the planet currently. And as long as you're not getting the city planner from Dallas to, to, to create the protocols and safety measures for your fusion reactor, yeah. then you yeah. might be okay. <laughs> and, and so going back to going back down to Texas and then, and this is mm -hmm. where I see like, you know, the case of the, the growing need and case for microgrids, you know, having each state on their own grid and then having them be able to parse it out into even smaller grids. Mm -hmm. So that way, you know, yeah, the interconnections allow for a lot of different things, but you know, with microgrids, it allows us to better control outages mm -hmm. slash create multiple ways in. So that way, if you lose a connection, you don't sever an entire state, but you also create barriers and blockades for internet hackers you know if you have 40 microgrids you can really protect that you know what i mean because you're not trying to stretch across the country you can protect that micro grid like a fortress you know and that's and and that's just it is is you'll even see the rise of it at the community level where communities will be able to buy their own power generation systems, yes. be it wind, be it solar, be it, you know, whatever have you. So mm -hmm. that way, you know, you have these systems that can power your community and feed outward. Yeah. And, and that is going to be the, like food that we talked about more community. Right. Yeah. So I like right. this. Okay. So, so, as we start to develop these micro grids that are literally going to be better hedged bets, you know, in the event that a hacker or a nation state actor does mm -hmm. take down, you know, something, right. You have a, you have less of a risk of them taking down an entire half of the country. Right. It's redundancy. It's overlapping redundancy exactly. that prevents that. Yeah. And and by allowing for more interconnections to different areas, 
you know, you have all of these different newer pathways. We're doing the same thing with the internet right now in this country mm -hmm. where we're creating more robust backbones. Right. So that way when someone strikes a line with a backhoe or if, you know, a piece of equipment fails, yeah, your, your, your latency is going to be a bit higher, but you're not going to be completely down and out. Right. Because, because the more you have, then the and the more diverse your connection and and your trunking locations are, mm -hmm. the less likely you are to see a system-wide catastrophic failure. That gotcha. is, no. that is, if you do the things to take care of the things. Right. But you know what's weird is when talking about Texas, why didn't you say the obvious political answer of just let the feds in? You know, isn't that the answer that everybody expected, like, to be said? Just let the feds in and take over your power grid. Don't let the feds in. Innovate past the Fed. Make the Fed innovate, right? By being exactly, you are the master of energy. You could, you are the master of energy in the world, right? So mm -hmm. be the innovator in that. And so, I want to say, that is a great way to think about the future of Texas. I want to say that people should think about investigating the people running for these local offices and see where they stand on this stuff instead mm -hmm. of guns and LGBT and, you know, criminal justice. Maybe you should also be paying attention to how they feel about Texas's independent power grid and how that should be innovated past where they are. Exactly. I mean, it's it's not a terrible idea. That's the thing. It just has terrible follow through. It has terrible preparation and protections. Yes. That's and that's just it. Is is that, you know, because the question of what happens if a hacker takes out the West Coast, you know, the West Western grid or the mm -hmm. Eastern grid. Texas is fine, yeah. as long as the shit's running. Right. And you think every state would want the same autonomy? It, that's that's what you would hope for. And right. plus, plus then, guess what that does? It allows each state to figure out what their generation system is going to look like. Okay, right. so maybe maybe the West Coast cities are going to be like, mm, nuclear, no. But the central part of the country might be like, nuclear, yeah. you know, that sounds nice. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, when you get, you know, you get places like Arizona who might go for a ton of solar development and sure. or Death Valley, California ton of solar development right. or you know my home state along the rockies and wyoming where there's enough wind there to power the western grid <laughs> right and if you want to put a fusion a, a hydrogen reactor up in alaska though if it blows up you're not going to hurt anybody you know what i mean but but that's the great thing about hydrogen fuel fusion reactors they need these intense magnets in order to keep things stable mm -hmm. right and if the magnets fail it just collapses that's not inward or not outward inward right right nice and that's and and so you end up with a safer system because you have to think about you have to think about a hydrogen fusion reactor like like the sun you have to right. literally think of it as the sun so, i was thinking of it more as nuclear i was thinking about a nuclear plant up i mean there. it's it's yeah. a it's a nuclear it's a nuclear thing because you are the difference is, is that what we're used to is fission, separating atoms to create energy. Mm -hmm. But in this case, it's fusion. You're fusing atoms together, and it creates right. energy. Okay. So, so why why does why does that mean that there's less of an issue? So, fun fact: 
do you know what the death point of a star is? Where it collapses, where it creates a black hole. Uh, that's one po- possibility. The singularity. But when you, like, no, when, no. <laughs> but the more common one, when it goes, when it explodes or goes when, supernova. When it becomes more iron than the rest. Which means that these fusion reactors have the potential of producing iron. iron. Mm. And and when they become less stable, you can literally take them offline. Wow. Unlike, unlike the sun, where you can't really just take that offline. <laughs> I mean, you can, but it's going to be a bad day for all of humanity. Right. <laughs> so I, yeah, and I don't, I in in all of that creation of technology, there's still going to be need. There's still going to be people that need to build stuff and weld stuff and maintain stuff. And you still and need stuff. your electrical crew. You yes. Have, you need you need your infrastructure crews yes. in order you to keep this stuff layers. moving. Yes, you need your caterers. You need everybody that's working in gas and oil to to do the same thing in a different way. And that's the thing. You're not losing jobs. You're creating new college degrees that could cost less if if you get private or if you get public funded uh public colleges you know if you can go to a public college or a trade school for free and get one of these jobs exactly and that and and that that's that's one of the ways that we can push trades is that Mm -hmm. we need this we need this updated infrastructure we need this new infrastructure but we're going to need people that are able to do the trades that are going to be required to do the upkeep on these trades yeah there are going to be people with advanced degrees that are going to be taking care of these fusion reactors Mm mm-hmm but you still have linemen that you're going to need. You still yeah. have, you still have the production of all of these different, you know, cause if you do the microgrid, you're going to need more electrical components in order yep. to create all of these microgrids. That means you're going to need American manufacturing in order to do it. That's right. Yes. So because all we're, of trying, these things, we're trying to keep it hemispheric at least. You because know? all of those things are going to create jobs here if we have the balls to go for it <laughs> right and if we even create shorter supply chains with canada and mexico then suddenly we're, we're bringing our this whole you know continent into a better place and i like mm-hmm. that idea too so yes and i think about that you know we're definitely going to need miners if we're going geothermal you know or nuclear we're going to want to bury this stuff and so there's always going to be a need for labor and so i don't i don't want people to get hung up on we're going to lose jobs because this is really a way to create what i always say create a market like create a market the green market was created out of thin air it's not like it's always been there and we picked it off a plant somebody said right this is a great idea Let's corner the market in this. <laughs> the green market. The green market has been there for a long time. I mean, 1900 Egypt had literal solar-powered watering systems. Mm. Mm. Some people say that the uh, what the pyramids were actually just a chemical reactor. Yeah, I, that's that's a nice conspiracy theory, but I'm I'm gonna go with mm, no. Um, no. <laughs> There's always been wind, right? I'll be right back. Yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> power generation. You know, the other one of the other things that you know we need to think about in terms of power generation, and this is this is a really interesting one that I like. So, 
we kind of talked about uh, the electrolysis of water to create hydrogen and oxygen. One of the other things that we can do as we create all of these different, you know, green energy grids is now we can go to the ocean and take water and desalinate it. That's what Israel does right now. And they use they use nuclear power to fundamentally power, desalinate, and use on their crops. So you actually have a very prevalent water source and they're able to ship it all over the place through these through this uh, desalination system. So when you think about water access and what you know, having a diverse energy grid could do, the ability of Israel to desalinate as much water as they do and spread that around. Imagine if we had, number one, all of the green, you know, as much green energy as we could produce. But number two, desalinate water oh. from the ocean in such a way that places like Los Angeles are mm -hmm. literally starving all of these mountain streams and reservoirs. I did, uh, not think, I did not know how to bring up desalinization, but we were when we were talking about the, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. I'm glad you brought that up because you know, in the end, all of these things are possible, and all of these things are the way forward. Mm -hmm. Now, the other thing, the other part of this is, is that we also need to be cleaning up the ocean too. And guess what? As we get more green energy, we're starting to see more and more trash collectors moving out into the ocean to clean it up. And we need more yeah, of that. We do. You know, and so like all of these really neat possibilities are current reality. It's just that they are an expensive and very thinly available reality. Sure. Sure. But they're possibilities. So, mm -hmm. I mean, and it, the only reason that they're still being objected to is because people are ignorant and believing some of the hype, you know, like yep. gas and oil is consistent. You know what I mean? We need it. We can't go to something else. Gas and oil is consistent. We need it and we can't go to something else until we do go to something else yeah, right. and until it becomes cheap, you know, even cheaper yet to go to something else. Right. And you know what? This is where I say, great. If, if OPEC wants to jack up the prices all they want, great. Mm -hmm. That's going to mean that it's going to be even cheaper to produce wind and solar and hydro. Yeah. So the more diversification you have, great, OPEC can do whatever the hell they want and price themselves out of the market. I say go for it. Say go, go for broke. So but even we... but even look at like companies like Royal Dutch Shell where they've oh, yeah. they're committing to being completely carbon neutral as a company by was it 2035 yep. and cutting their their fossil fuel business, I think it was by 2050, if I remember reading that correctly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I love that. Because what did I say? When companies decide that they don't want to be a big oil company but be a big energy company, they're going to find a way to corner this this market. Yeah, you don't want to be the last horse and buggy salesman. Yep. Yeah. So so great. If Royal Dutch Shell wants to design fusion reactors, awesome. I say go for it. Mm -hmm. If Royal Dutch Shell wants to you know put their money in community wind and solar, great. Let's do it. Yeah. You know, imagine Shell still being able to say that your car is powered by Shell because you have <laughs> your own wind turbine that's literally powering your car. Right. All those Guess gas what? stations just get an electric pump. You know what I mean? 
Right. All those, all those, all those gas stations are now, you know, places where you can park your car and, you know, fill up the tank. Yeah. But, you know, in a way it would bring back that little slice of Americana where, you know, on the road trip, you would stop and see something. Yeah. And, you know, in a way that's what, that's what the electrical car system will do is, is it'll encourage the road trip where, you stop and you see the weird large cow on the side of the fucking road while you, while your family grabs a, a drink and a, you know, or whatever, take a quick goofy picture. And then, you know, you're on the road to fill up. And plus, are you really going to drive that far? Or are you going to get on one of those trains that a bullet train that goes across the country? Oh God, I would love to see bullet trains as bullet a thing trains. in this country. <laughs> I would love to see it as a thing in this country. It is bullet trains are so neat. Yeah, they are. And the they're fact that magnets, they're almost right? entirely self-contained. Right. Like a self-contained power generating system. Right. You tip the magnet, it goes. You tip the magnet, the other, you know, level it off, it slows down. I love those things, man. You know, imagine imagine taking I, – I would love to take a bullet train from, from Seattle to L.A. I think it would be That's fantastic. Yeah. Seattle to San Diego. I think it would be fantastic. Or, you know, San Francisco to Chicago. That would be mm. great. That would be you know, awesome. Yeah. I think I think it would be fantastic because you know as it stands right now, I mean there is a lot of there's a lot of hydrocarbons that get put off by jet engines. Yep. But even now they're 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 investigating, you know, you know, hydrogen combustion jet engines they and are, yeah. and pure electrical jet engines too. That's fascinating. It is, right? So so imagine that all of these things that they're testing come up, they become a reality, you know, exactly. Exactly. I personally, I personally, you know, could you imagine, could you imagine Joe Biden who took the train to work every day being the first president to take a cross country bullet train? I love it though. You know, I think it'd be fantastic. I think yeah. it would be absolutely fantastic. Because, you know, that, that art of the journey is still a thing that we could do. I mean, we've been in such a rush for our adult lives. Agreed. It would be nice that it would be nice to be on something where, yeah, you can go faster, maybe not as fast as a plane, but, you know, you still have that little slice of Americana, the train journey yeah. that, you know, that sent you across the country. Go see Quite something sexy. new and weird. Yeah. You know, it's it's a tourist thing that that all of these states could eventually find themselves involved in. And and it's tour, absolutely tourism is a major job opportunity creation. You know, if you're, if you're everywhere, the train stops grows, right? right? Exactly. It, but it's, it's like its own 1900s Renaissance. Yeah. And this is all self-contained in America. We're not even talking about, the world right we're just talking yep. about our country and all the great things that we can do but just to tie it up so energy independence and diversity uh, texas should work on that you know as well as picking better politicians that also feel that same way and the third thing i'm going to say is community involvement and creating smaller versions of the larger things we have to create that independence the whole mm -hmm. the whole county might go down but maybe your um homeowners association decides to come up with a little system of their own you know right. and then suddenly you guys have your power because you put a few wind turbines in the middle of your pond, you know? So, right. Yeah. So those are three great ways that 
Texas could move forward, as well as, you know, fucking fixing your, your <coughs> you know, your stuff right. and building yeah, it actually, to fix actually, everything. Actually prepare your, your <laughs> stuff for, you know, events. Fire, flood, wind, <laughs> and snow. <Right. laughs> you know, literally, Texas, if you're listening, you've seen what California's done with their mm-hmm. electrical system. Don't do California. Yeah, They're not upgrading California. their stuff. It keeps setting their stuff on fire. Right. PG&E, we're looking Take, at you. You know, and, and, and that's and that side of things are supposed to be federally regulated. Right. Right. So, so so take that lesson while you have the chance and work on your own shit. And see, because this is what because I mean you don't get to make fun of you don't get to make fun of California. Right. When you're doing essentially the exact same thing. But this is what I mean about a progressive Republican. This is exactly what I mean by a progressive Republican. A Republican a Republican could run on those three things and it would be conservative values and progressive at the same time. You know, imagine that, you know, because that's, you know, it, it hammers on all of the things that you want. You want to put Americans to work. You want to create an independence from other states, other nations, other, whatever. Yeah. And, you know, you want to focus on doing it in such a way that it does benefit the smallest person possible in, yep. in the cheapest ways. It is yep. possible to do. It is very possible to do. Exactly. So that's what I mean. I mean, and here's the life, but I don't know, but <clears throat> Republicans are ceding the moral ground to Democrats. And I don't think people should be mad at the Democrats for that. I think they should be mad at the Republicans for not stepping into the role of counterpoint. So don't mm-hmm. be mad at Democrats for coming up with wild ideas. They always have be mad at the Republicans that aren't going, whoa, that they're just like not even in the room. I mean, it's it's literally, you know, the it's literally the definition of saying black because the other person said white. That's right. really what the what it's become. Rather than saying, you know, there's an idea here. I don't like the method. Right. Well, it's not even saying black. It's like somebody saying black and the other person going, I'm not going to tell them it's white. You know, it's like right. not even coming in the room to have a voice. And so they're just letting Democrats do whatever they AOC was just in your state raising $4 million, Texans, and Republicans let that happen because they weren't doing it first. You know what yeah, I mean? Exactly. Exactly. You know, or, or, you know, you didn't do it as big or as good. Yeah. And nobody, there's nobody on the Republican side except for Adam Kinzinger, who I'm finding out I really kind of admire more and more. There's not a lot of those voices on the right that can match AOC and Joe Biden and Kamala Harris and and Katie Porter and these big names. There's nobody to counter uh, Ilhan Omar and her stance towards the Middle East, right. which I agree with personally, by the way. <laughs> but there's nobody on the other side to make the counterpoint to make me go, hmm. You know, and so that's my issue is that the Republicans are just grievance and that's not going to get you anywhere when you have a grievance, you know, which is why I hope to see, you know, that party splinter, you know, and too. people like and people like Kinzinger yeah. uh, create, you know, a party that, you know, might look, you know, like Republican, but not like what it has, right. you know, literally, you know, not being the 
I'm completely counter to the Democrats because they're Democrats, but completely, you know, maybe counter to is like, Hey, I like the end goal. I don't like the method. Yes. We don't. So so let's talk about how we get to the end goal rather than just shooting it. (laughs) Like we don't like abortion. So why don't we work on ways to, to raise our children to not end up getting abortions? You're still going to have abortions, but if you, right. if, you, if you create a community that isn't raping women, if you create a, a world where misogyny doesn't rule the day, you're going to have a lot less, you know, I don't know. It There's a lot of other factors to it. But if you eliminate the need for something or lessen the need for something, then it's lessened, right? You exactly. can't just tell people no because I said so. <laughs> right. You know. That's why I said I like the Green New Deal. I like the end goal of it. I disagree sure. with I disagree with some of the methods, mm. and that's really the difference. Is I the end goal needs to happen absolutely one hundred percent. I just think that there's a better method of doing it, mm-hmm. and nobody's having these conversations. You know exactly that's the problem, because because that... because the left has said the Green New Deal is where we need to go, and rather than saying, you know, there's actually a lot of great things in here that I think we can do. Yeah. Let's talk about a different method of making it happen. They just go, no, nah, that's terrible. We're not going to do that. And I'm right, like, that's what I'm saying. There's nobody, there's Jim Jordan isn't sitting there saying, I like this Green New Deal, but I want to turn it red a little bit. You know what I mean? Like, exactly. let's have this discussion on a Zoom in front of everybody for four hours until we reach this point where we're like, oh, we get it. Yes, that's where we're going, you know? Exactly. And, and, and because there is a way to make this happen mm-hmm. where you literally could get people on all sides, you know, to actually make this happen and acknowledge that there are going to be some things that, you know, are obviously going to be more leftist policies, but there are some things that can be done that are policies on the right. But we got to stop like trying to put the kibosh on something because it's blue or it's Mm -hmm. red rather than is the end goal what the American people need? Right. If you're a Republican in general, in this case, if you're a Republican, you're still a person with beliefs. Now, they might not all adhere to the text of the Republican Party um, overall, what you think a Republican is. You create what a Republican is. Republicans don't create what you are, you know? And so you can be what you want to be as a Republican. You just need to hold on to your values and bring people along the way. We don't need values from 1950. You don't need to be that guy anymore. You can have your values in 2021 and bring people along because we're we're all we're all enjoying the same things in America. It's just how you want to go about creating a future. Absolutely. And so with this, it's, you know, it's time to stop butting heads simply for the sake of butting heads. Yeah. It's time to start. It's time to start looking at the end goal and deciding if it's something that America needs. Energy diversification is something America needs. Period. Mm-hmm. End of story. Because that's how we're going to stop messing around. Well and say stop how we're going to be less likely to be messing around in countries we don't need to be messing around in how we're going to be able to offset the fact that OPEC is going to jack with oil prices because Mm -hmm. you know they see the pandemic is winding down how we're going to be able to you know have a grid that's more robust and maybe not you know three grids but maybe 25 maybe 50 50, maybe 100 at least 50 you know it's these are things that you know the end goal there's nothing wrong when saying that the end goal is great yeah 
but you know, let's let's figure out what the best method is, and let's actually work together on you know the best method, knowing that there's going to be some give and take. The end goal is admirable, and it's it's what humanity and we need. Mm-hmm. Now it's time to stop putting aside the the headbutting politics and and the blowhard personalities yeah. and actually get something done just get in a room like we just did get adam kinzinger and aoc to sit in a zoom in front of the world and just talk until they come up with something that's what i would like to see the future of politics man could you imagine could you imagine if we were able to get aoc and adam kinzinger on with us and and have this conversation yeah. that would actually be fun it would be because i don't think they're that far off I don't think they're that far no. off from each other. And she's and, not a she's not a witch heathen like you know, and he's not a Bible thumping rat. Neither one of them. They're just people. They're just really just people. And when you strip away what that you think a Republican or a progressive should be, and you just listen to them talk, well, I I have res- as much respect for both of them. You know what I mean right. for for standing up Same. for who they are. Absolutely. I, I, you know, and that's, and that's the difference is, is I'm not going to try and discount either one of them. They're mm. bucking their parties yeah. and they're bucking them hard. And right. it's, I love it. I'm, I'm there for it. Because they're because, creating what their party is. They're not letting their party create who they are. Exactly. And so honestly, could you imagine, could you imagine sitting down with the two of them having this conversation that we just had and, and, asking them how do how do we get people to agree to the end goal mm-hmm. and work through the differences on the method it's about marketing it's about how you sell it it's about <clears throat> the pitch you know because because that's really the end of you know that's really what the end needs to be is is that we mm-hmm. take these these people and agree on the end goal and we start talking about the method and yeah. you know we start understanding each other's point of view and we start actually coming towards something that you know everybody wants to say that you know the green new deal end goal is you know too liberal and blah, blah. energy diversification is not a liberal thing it's i would i, I would say that it's a wise thing it's a wise that was, thing it's it you know that's like that's that's you can think of it like your retirement fund do you want to put all of you could you imagine if you'd put all of your retirement fund in gamestop Mm, right. You might have had a really good time there for a hot minute until you didn't. <laughs> yeah, right. Or putting all of your retirement funds in Enron. Right. <laughs> or putting all your faith into uh, Donald Trump. So you know? if you – right. But if you diversify out, uh-huh. you're going to take some losses, but you're going to have some gains. Yep. And that's the difference is, is that in this, you diversify out. There are going to be times when you take an L on a certain piece, but you get a W on another. That's right. And – and the end goal being the overall W, <laughs> you know? Yeah. I just want to, I, I want to look back in history and I, I think about the, the end of the cold war and what it took was Gorbachev and Reagan to stand there side by side, hand in hand and say, it's over. There's a new world. And I really like the idea of these two, these two, people coming together holding hands and saying it's a new world you know right I like the idea of and i'm just using uh aoc and adam kinzinger as an example i don't right. know anybody in the republic party but that's the thing though is is that they're young enough to where you know this could be a very new reality 
Right. You know, we got a bunch of old people on both sides that are dead set on keeping things the way they are for them because it works right. for them now. That's right. But, but this, these younger groups of people, like, I would love to be able to see, you know, a disagreement on the method, but yeah. an overall an overall approval of the end goal. I want to see a, that. An agreement change. that we need to do it. At the same time, in the same room, not one person giving one speech and then another person giving a reactional speech to it. Them sitting in the room and talking and go, ending up ending up like we did. Like these are some great ideas. Like how do we go like what would AOC argue with this? What would Adam argue about this? Because I don't see any real space we didn't create any like you have to's it was all these are great ideas how do you feel about it and i don't see it like a republican saying no that doesn't fit my morals <laughs> or or right. AOC saying this doesn't fit my my you know cuz in the end you know in the end, you know, AOC might argue that the jobs that are created, you know, need to be union jobs. And, and mm -hmm. Kinzinger might, you know, argue that, you know, whatever it is, the, the things that we're going to be building need to be made in America by American workers. Yeah. And guess what? It still falls in the whole point of the end goal being that we need to do this. Yeah. We need to do this here. Yeah. We need to do this in such a way that... Could you imagine if we got this right and were able to export this technology to other countries like you know China yeah. and India are doing? Yeah. We sh because we should be. We really should be. We and there's should. no excuse for us to not be doing it. Yeah, no, I love this. I think I think it would come down to the time frame in which they would want it and federal involvement in it. I, I would imagine that a Republican would say, let's let's do a slightly smaller investment on a local level so that we don't have federal involvement, you know? I imagine a Republican, you know, like if, if Kin, you know, with Kinzinger, I imagine him saying, all right, you know, l let's, let's change your tax breaks. So, Ooh. okay, we're not subsidizing oil anymore. We'll subsidize energy by allowing you to shift where you take your tax breaks yeah. because that you can do that, you know, and, and AOC might say, you know, we're going to collect taxes off of the oil and gas side in order to subsidize companies mm -hmm. coming in. That's where I expect an argument. The, the carbon tax, right? Right. But guess what? If we agree on the end goal, now let's figure out how do you make that end goal work. And those aren't fighting com competitive thoughts. You could do both. You could have a carbon tax and You could do both. <laughs> yeah, see? I, there's there's my, no argument here. I can't find it, a way where there would be an argument on energy independence and diversity. Right. <laughs> really, and I mean, the arguments are the arguments are going to be only about the method. You know, mm. I don't necessarily think a federal tax is the best way to do it. Okay. But that's just it. You know, that's that's really the only difference because – I think that the taxes, the tax breaks that they do get need to be canceled and allowed for another part of the business. That's really the yep. difference. Yeah, exactly. And you'd you know, still and be getting tax breaks for innovating and diversifying. You know what I mean? You might exactly. be getting charged for your oil and gas, but you might be saving subsidies on your solar and wind, you know? And and the the timeline is the other question, you know? Yeah, the some timeline. people are some people are going to want to say we need to do this now, it needs to be effective within mm -hmm. a year. Some people might say, you know, we need to step this timeline out so that way you can sh start slowly shifting those investments over the next I 10 agree. years. I agree. So so I mean there's you know that's but I wouldn't call those arguments. I would call those discussion points. Mm -hmm. That's those are negotiation points.
point. Yeah. That's not, there's not an argument to be had here. The argument is whether, you know, the argument of whether or not we should do it, it shouldn't be an argument. The, there isn't. There shouldn't isn't. be. Shouldn't be. But there are going to be people that argue. Why? Because, well, let's face it, they get their cut in political donations that they then use to fly their ass to Cancun. I mean, <laughs> um, whoops, I, I, I do want to say on that, Lindsey Graham had a quote. If Ted Cruz was shot in the Senate chambers, there wouldn't be an investigation. <laughs> People don't like Ted Cruz, and I don't like Ted Cruz, and I don't, I don't care who does like Ted Cruz. If you're a fan of Ted Cruz, you do not need to be a fan of mine. <laughs> it's the same with Lindsey Graham. If you're a fan of Lindsey Graham, you don't have to be a fan of mine. You know, <laughs> right? So there's, you know, there is just no point, you know, let's, let's get this done. Let's, mm-hmm. let's make this happen. I, I agree. I love it. I'm so glad we had this, this discussion. This so a fun one. Do you have any final, final, anything final? Cause I have one big final thing and then we can. I don't think I really got anything final. What do you got? So we have a, a new podcast in the network, Jeffrey. Yeah. 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 It's called Inspirations Beyond Disability. And we had a L.A. Wait. L-V-A-B-P, Low Vision and Blind People Forum. And it went about two hours with Brittany, Kate, and we got shy in there uh, at the last minute. And it was just, it, it was a great conversation. And I want to say it has had over 1,500 listens between the two episodes. The one came out yesterday and the other one came out earlier this week. But they're really great conversations. And I was nice. really proud of these girls. Really nice. Because it's the same thing we do, but on a disability, on a specific disability topic. So it wasn't just, I hate, I hate. It was, hey. And it was, what was really neat was the two girls have more experience being blind than Caitlin did. And so what ended ha- up happening is we were explaining some fundamentals to Caitlin that actually other people could listen to and learn and, and like, yeah, ride-sharing ideas to restaurants, the way you treat people. It was just a really great conversation. It didn't come off as a bunch of preachy disabled people complaining about ableism or like how I always do, like, hey, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, that's that's awesome having those conversations yeah. because, you know, there's plenty of people out there that have disabilities that, mm-hmm. you know, haven't, you know, they either – haven't felt heard or maybe they're learning and learning to struggle through a new disability yeah that's fantastic you know having having a source out there for someone to listen to and be inspired is absolutely incredible and it also helps me in learning to prepare for this stuff you know and so yeah i mean like audio descriptions i had no idea about and then i was roaming on twitter looking for topics for today and there was a the the first uh tide innovative audio description you remember the uh what's his name the guy from seinfeld the the sweatshirt the jason alexander sweatshirt the hoodie yeah Mm -hmm. the jason alexander hoodie that's the first commercial to have like audio descriptions and i was listening and it was like jason gets lettuce stuck to his face jason is getting pulled by a dog and it was just so cool you know (laughs) right that's fantastic i miss that stuff like you know, you might think progressive might think their commercials are funny and witty as fuck, but I can't see any of it. So it's just this boring conversation to me. You know? <laughs> yeah. So, but it was good, and so I decided, I decided to take one of the old 
accounts that we had and just revamp it and turn into inspirations beyond disabilities. And then I told the girls, Hey, guess what? You're podcasters now. And they were like excited as fuck. And so now there's six people in our, in our network that have a visual disability of some form or another. It's awesome. You know, it is really awesome. It is really awesome to have these real conversations with real people. And then I always notice that we are way off from where the media is. You know, Mm -hmm. what we just talked about, the media just kept repeating all week, Texas, problem, problem people, Texas, problem, problem people, COVID, be scared, be scared of COVID, don't be, you know, and it was just like, there's no solution in that. There's no, we've grown up learning that we need to be outraged and then forget it. You, you know? need to put your outrage somewhere and that, you, yeah, in the moment you can bitch about something, mm. but eventually you actually have to fix the problem because mm-hmm. people stop listening and, and it gets annoying after a while. I always say what you have to do is fix it, then complain. And mm-hmm. if you still want to complain after you fixed it, I'll drink a beer with you and listen, you know, but don't exactly. complain while everybody else is busting their ass to fix it. Right. So. I'm glad everybody's okay. Everybody's okay in your in your house. Oh yeah, everybody's okay. good here. Thank you, Jeffrey. Yeah. So, food <laughs> for thought for all of you out there. Mm, what's that? Everything we just talked about. Fuck yeah, that was so much. That is you know, that is a that is a Sunday brunch of information that you could have a glass of champagne to. Definitely, but it was full of solution, and I love that. And that's what nobody else is doing. And that's why I appreciate you. And we don't have these sub these conversations during the week. We just pop in, and so I'm always amazed where we go. A half hour beforehand, I'm always like, I wonder what we're going to talk about. <laughs> or it's like, oh, I have an idea, and then it's just like, boom, there it goes. We started with mistakes, and so I'll end with people make mistakes. One of them might be accepting people's mistakes. Thanks for listening to Public Access America. Catch you later. (laughs) (laughs) To those who would tear the world down, we will defeat you. This is our moment. This is our time. To those who seek peace and security, we support you. Yes, we can. And to all those who have wondered if America's beacon still burns as bright, tonight we prove once more that the true strength of our nation comes not from the might of our arms or the scale of our wealth, but from the enduring power of our ideals. Liberty, opportunity, and unyielding hope. Let me tell you something you already know. The world ain't all sunshine and rainbow. It's a very mean and nasty place, and I don't care how tough you are, it will beat you to your knees and keep you there permanently if you let it. You, me, or nobody is going to hit as hard as life. Ask not. Yes, we can. What your country can do for you. I have a dream. Ask what you can do. I poor little children. Yes, we can. One day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. I don't have to tell you things are bad. Everybody knows things are bad. It's a depression. In this lifetime, you don't have to prove nothing to nobody except yourself. It ain't about how hard you hit. It's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. How much you can take and keep moving forward. That's how winning is done. Welcome. Public Access America. Yes, we can. Now on Instagram and SoundCloud. I wanted to run out of that tunnel for my dad. On Twitter. Apple 
podcast for Stitcher Smart Radio app, Potable, and Spotify. Yes, we can. Public Access America. History in the making. Making history in the making. credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. <laughs> 